happy Thursday. Happy St. Patty's Day. I hope you guys are having fun and being safe out there. And I hope that um, this can be entertaining to you guys tonight or tomorrow when you're recovering. Uh, welcome. This episode's going to be a little different. Akilah's going to be covering everything as far as the episode goes and the case. I actually didn't do too much research as far as this case went because I wanted it to be kind of a blind react with the audience. So I do know a little bit about it, but I'm kind of going to be listening like you guys and just putting in my 10 cents um, where it's due. So without further ado, I'll let Akilah take it over. Hi guys. So today we are going to be discussing the case of Michelle Missy Avila. Um, and if you hear me call her Missy or mix it up with Michelle, just know that it's the same person throughout. Um, but I guess you can consider this one of our first time lifetime movie inspired cases. Um, I had watched a lifetime movie about this case called A Killer Amongst Friends. And I just started researching it and I really think that it's a story that still needs to be spoken on. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, so Missy was born in February of 1968 and she grew up in San Fernando Valley with her mom, her dad, and her three brothers Chris, Mark, and Ernie and she did prefer to go by Missy. And so her parents move into this cute little neighborhood and when she's eight years old she meets her best friend, Karen Severson. So these two meet because Missy's cat got out and she was frantically running throughout the neighborhood, knocking on doors, asking everybody if they'd seen her cat. And so her last stop was at Karen Severson's house and Karen happened to be sitting outside and Missy is hysterical and she's explaining that she can't find her cat. And Karen's like, okay, like, let me help you. So they do eventually locate the cat, but that was just like the beginning of a very, very close bond. Um, people often point out that these two were like sisters. They were inseparable. You know, whatever Missy had, Karen had to have. They were doing the matching outfits, getting the same haircuts, all of that stuff that we kind of all do when we're little girls and we're having a lot of fun. And so yeah, I feel like 100% I had friends in middle school that were like super close friends and we would definitely do the coordinated outfits and that was like forever friendship and like middle school standards I swear. Oh yeah that and like learning dance routines and all of that stuff like it's such a fun part of like being a young lady if you're into that like traditionally feminine stuff like I really do kind of look back on that fondly. Agreed. Same here. So these two are going to be going to school. Like, mind you, Missy had just moved into the neighborhood. So they're going to be going to elementary school together. And Missy's super pumped because she's got Karen. She has a friend. So she's not going into this situation alone. And Karen's obviously excited because her new best friend is going to be in her class. And they're going to kind of be able to face school and whatever it throws at them together. So... One of the things that has been pointed out a lot when it comes to the elementary school years is that Missy was this very outgoing, bubbly, energetic, athletic person. She was super beautiful and she had no problems charming everybody around her. So she was constantly making new friends, you know, 
just kind of all that cool girl stuff. So she really was the it girl. And then Karen, unfortunately, was a bit overweight as a child. So she was frequently bullied for being a larger girl. But Karen had Missy and Missy made sure that none of her friends would speak to Karen in that way or bring up her weight. And she also made a point Like, if we're going to be friends, you know, Karen's a package deal, so you guys have to include her. So she's going out of her way to make sure her best friend's, you know, a part of what she's doing. And it just kind of speaks to how strong of a bond they have. Because when you're talking about eight or nine, ten-year-old girls, you know, they haven't really formed that girl code thing. So it's pretty easy to be like, okay, they're bullying her. Even though I like her, I'm going to go ahead and bully her too so that I look cool and I fit in. I feel like that feels really that speaks really highly of Missy because I know that when you're that age and you're so impressionable and you care so much more about being cool and people liking you, a lot of people would kind of just go along with it and, and ditch the friend yes. rather than stand up for, for her. So I think that that's like super commendable and, and it is it because really speaks to how good of a friend Missy was to Karen. And when you think about um, most situations like that where, you know, you care about somebody and they're made, being made fun of, but you're not really doing anything to back them up. It's kind of that shape, like that shitty friend that does that to you. But then when nobody else is around, they want to hang out. So I think you're right that that speaks to her character a lot, and especially at that age, because, you know, most adult people don't know how to process that type of stuff, let alone an eight or nine year old. And she's just continuing to choose kindness, which is something I really do like about her. So the girls are getting closer. They're spending more time together. And, you know, Missy's mom, Irene, and her brothers, they're kind of looking at her like family. She's the new little sister. She's the second daughter. And they start to form these really close relationships. So um, Irene had noticed with Karen that she would tell super over-the-top, just absolutely unreal stories. And one of the things that she told her was that her parents were divorced and that it was amazing because she got two birthday parties two Christmases, double the birthday gifts, double the Christmas gifts, you know, and she had um, two sets of siblings on both sides. And it was just like such a wonderful thing. And that kind of was like really interesting to Irene, because that was at a time where divorce was like still seen as a taboo. So she was just kind of shocked that she would be bragging about that. But she just kind of wrote it off because it's not like it was completely unheard of. But the kicker is a couple days later, she is being introduced to Mrs. Severson, so Karen's mom. And, you know, her mom, Irene, she's wanting to be like a very kind, very supportive person and just trying to start conversation. So she happens to mention, you know, I'm really sorry for your divorce. And if you ever want somebody to sit down and chat with, you know, I'm here for you. And you know, our daughters are so close. So please don't hesitate to reach out. But Karen's mom was super confused. And the look on her face was kind of dumbfounded. And she told Irene, like, no, her father and I are still married. We're raising our four children. Like, there's nothing wrong. We've never gotten a divorce. So I don't know where she got that. 
And she goes, you know, you have to take everything Irene says with a grain of salt because she is just an over-the-top liar and she has, like, an overactive imagination. Jesus. And, you know, that this is coming from her mom. Yeah. So, so you know, it's... It, it's one of those things where they think people don't know, but it's pretty obvious. Like when you know somebody's telling you a lie and you're just kind of nodding your head along because you know that they're lying. So she, you know, she would tell these grand stories. And if somebody would try to call her on that, Missy was right there. Like, nope, you don't get to tell her what happened to her. You don't get to tell her what her life is like. Just continuing to constantly have her back and constantly just be there for her in a way that most people can't be there for people. It's the friend that you wish you had. Right. Literally. And one of the things that Irene also pointed out is that she felt like when Karen was telling these over the top stories, it was because she felt the need to constantly put herself in competition with Missy. So if Missy talked about a fun vacation they had, then she had to come up with something about a fun vacation she had. Or if Missy went to a new kids on the block concert, you know what? Karen did too, but Karen got backstage passes and you know, she got one of the boys phone numbers. Yeah. It's like just that super over the top and you have to one up people. And the really crappy part about it is Karen is putting herself in this competition with Missy, but Missy's not seeing her as a competitor at all. Missy just sees her as a friend, as a sister, So I can't, like, imagine, you know, Missy trying to balance that out and trying to constantly reassure Karen that, you know, I support you, I'm here for you, and no, I don't think I'm better than you. Um, But it was never enough for Karen, and you'll learn that. Nothing is ever just quite enough for her. So they're prepared Karen, like, having her own insecurities and reflecting those on Missy and just having a lot of... um, yeah, insecurities and jealousy and Missy's still trying to be a good friend and it's like we were saying earlier kids don't always differentiate between good attention and bad attention it's kind of all attention so you know she could have been taking, telling those lies a to get attention and b just out of fear and jealousy and you know topping her friend who doesn't even see her as a competitor, as you said. Yep, and I see a lot of relationships like that where the competition between the two people is one-sided, and I think a lot of it comes from insecurity, and I think a lot of it also comes from a place of jealousy, which is really unfortunate because at the end of the day, that's your friend. So just moving on. The girls enter middle school, and obviously things are changing. Bodies are changing. Hormones are rushing. So they're both starting to take a liking to boys. And as I said, Missy was considered very beautiful. So she did get a lot of male attention, but girls also gravitated to her. It was like they either wanted to be her friend or they wanted to be her. But everybody kind of wanted to be around her, and she was that person that really was genuinely friends with almost everybody that she knew and so this is happening she's building great friendships she's finding new hobbies new interests and with these new friendships comes less time for Karen and Karen just cannot handle that Karen believes in her heart of hearts that she should be the absolute number one priority in Missy's life so at one point Missy got to go to a middle school party with a couple of her girlfriends and you know, they had a good time. Nothing really happened. They were just sitting around, 
you know, drinking sodas, playing air hockey, doing all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, she had told Karen about what a good time she had. And that just kind of really got under Karen's skin. And it got under her skin so much that the following Monday, she went and sought out these other girls that were at the party with Missy. And she goes up to them and she says something along the lines of, oh my God, you guys were so wild at that party. And these girls have no idea what she's talking about. Like, what do you mean we were wild at the party? And they ask her, like, what are you talking about, Karen? And she's like, well, someone told me that you guys were there and you guys were sleeping with every guy at the party and you were drunk and you were flashing just all this over over the top hypersexual bullshit and stuff that a middle school girl really doesn't want people to believe about her. So there, yeah, and it's, it's a complete lie. So when the girls ask her, where are you getting this information from? And she's like, oh, well, Missy told me, Missy tells me everything. So there she goes planting this lie. And so that she can just start to pull Michelle away from more and more people. But of course, these girls, they go and they confront Missy about it. And they basically let her know, like, we're washing our hands of you. We don't want to talk to you. We don't want to be your friend. We don't want you around us. Like, we're completely done. And here comes Karen. And she just, like, swoops in and is like, oh, my God, Missy. Like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I can't believe they would believe a lie like that. And she's like, but you know you can always count on me. Like, I'm always going to be there for you. And she got what she wanted. Yeah, she got exactly what she wanted. And so the longer they were in middle school, the more Missy stopped, like she started to isolate herself from the other kids because she truly had it in her mind that nobody cared about her the way Karen did and that Karen really was the only person that they had in their lives. And it you know, it's that, yeah, that gaslighting and just that narcissistic, yes, very manipulative. And you think about it and it's a 14 year old girl being that manipulative. I think that's terrifying. So they're going through middle school and they're slowly kind of, kind of drifting apart because Missy is not willing to give up having other outside friendships with the people who do want to be friends with her and the people she does enjoy hanging out with. Um, just for Karen. Now, mind you, all of these little shopping trips and, you know, getting food at the food court, all of that type of stuff, even though the group of girls was Missy's friends, Karen was always invited to come along by Missy. And essentially, Missy wouldn't go and do those things without Karen. But even with Karen being included, that wasn't enough. She still wanted Missy to themselves. And it just kind of created such a bad rift. And so middle school keeps going on and, you know, they're getting into eighth grade and they're going through a lot of hormonal changes and Missy finds out that her parents are getting a divorce. And then on top of that, she finds out that Karen is pregnant in eighth grade. And obviously, that's a lot to take on emotionally as a 14-year-old because you want to be there for your friend in every way that you can. And I understand when you're 14, it's 
and somebody's pregnant, that's, you know, it's very limited what you can do for them. But um, so, go ahead. I'm immediately questioning whether she is really pregnant just because of the background that you've given me. She, so is, she, is she really pregnant? Or is she she is really pregnant. Um, just from all of the things that I was able to research, Karen was one of those people who would take attention from anybody that she could get it from, whether it's a guy her age, somebody older. She had this desire to be loved. And um, I forgot to mention that Karen is adopted. And so I think that some of that desire to be loved, yeah, it's, it's what she didn't get from her biological parents. And I can completely understand that. And she did yeah. end up getting pregnant with her first child. And so they are, you know, going into high school at this point. And Missy's dealing with that. And she's dealing with her parents' divorce. And, you know, when they get into high school, they are drifting apart more and more. But the both of them still insisted that the other one was their best friend. And... um. You know, Karen eventually, because of the pregnancy, decides to drop out of regular school and she decides to go to an alternative school and she dropped out pretty shortly into the semester. And at this point, she was only going back to she had dropped out with only five months of the school year to finish out. Um, and when Missy had or when Karen, excuse me had her baby, you know, Missy tried to be there for that baby in every single way that she could. But again, now at this point, they're 15. I don't think it's fair for anybody to expect another 15-year-old to dedicate all of their time to a new mother and a newborn baby. That's a lot for Karen to be taking, you know, on, let alone Missy. But she's still tried to be there. And when they're getting into high school again. Missy decides, like, hey, I'm going to stick this out. And she had made a whole lot of friends and was continuing to get that attention from men. And, like, she just had a very normal high school experience. But Karen, again, she's sitting in that corner and she's just, like, like over the top jealous at this point and she's becoming resentful towards Missy and she's finding all of these ways to make Missy out to be this bad person and this unsupportive person and no matter how much Missy tries to dedicate her time into being with Karen and being with the baby it's not enough but at one point well, Missy, works so well yeah the first time that she pulled that. and so Missy's just like you know I still want to like have a normal life and I think some of that bitterness came from Karen not being able to partake in normal teenage activities because she had a child and um you know people around them mutual friends that they had all said that Missy was like a second mom to this baby and she really did anything that she could for Karen and she tried to financially help wherever she could because at this point the baby's dad isn't involved and Karen is you know a 15 year old single mom and so after Karen drops out of school I think it kind of furthers the drift I mean she was already going to an alternative school but 
she's at home all day and Missy's in school. And I think when Missy gets home, she's going to want to have fun and not take care of a baby. And, you know, Missy does admit that she is starting to feel super lonely at school, despite all the friends she's made because she's going through school without Karen. But at this point, she's had her her whole life and they've always been like a unit pretty much. Yeah. They, I mean, they were attached at the hip. And I think I could 100% relate to that. It's like when your best friend moves to a new school, like you're not completely out of touch, but it is super different. I mean, honestly, I can relate to that as an adult, like even as a a kid more so. But even like now I like switched jobs and I had a really good friend at my last job that I was always with and ate lunch with. And honestly, it's been such an adjustment. So I can't imagine being, you know, a teenager with hormones and, not fully mentally developed and having to go through that it can be upsetting yeah and then you know in this at this time her parents divorce proceedings are still happening and so I feel like that's absolutely taking its toll but she does continue to have her casual friendships um but she meets this girl named um Laura Doyle and those two become very very fast friends and they become close friends um, and obviously this is not sitting right with Karen. And so at this point, you know, Karen's parents are helping her as much as she can, but Karen started to take off pretty much whenever she wanted to and take advantage of the help that her parents were giving her so that she could go hang out with friends, including Missy. But Karen didn't always pick and choose the best people to be around And, you know, in Missy's other part of her free time, she's already dedicating that to Karen and Karen's needs and the needs of Karen's daughter. And then now she's got this whole thing where Karen's just going to leave and Karen's going to join in. So she never really gets a break from coddling her. And I can imagine, like, Karen just sounds like a very exhausting person to be friends with. She sounds extremely needy and very draining. And we I feel like we've all had to deal with somebody That's, that requires so much that when you were done with them, you're like exhausted. Exactly. And, you know, she starts to spend more and more time at Missy's house because she considers Missy's house like a safe haven away from the baby, like a place where she can just kind of be a normal teenager. And she's still leaving the baby at home with her parents and you know eventually Irene is like you know why don't you bring the baby over here when you come like I can help babysit help you out with whatever so you girls can go out and have a good time and you know in that way it gives your parents a break so you know she did take advantage of that and they were able to start hanging out more and going out and you know eventually that super closeness is starting to reform again and Missy doesn't mind having Karen around all the time anymore and she feels like she can meet the expectations of friendship that Karen's lying out, even though as an outsider looking in, I think it's absolutely unreasonable to expect that one person is going to cater to you all the time and that they are not allowed to have anybody else in their life. Agreed, yeah. That's, especially, like, that young and in a friendship, like, that's, that's a lot to require from a teenage girl. And so, you know, Karen, as much time as they're spending together now, 
literally once again it's it's just not enough it is it's never enough and so she is just you know despite them being close it's that stuff like you know the envy that boils deep down and she's not just jealous at this point like she's becoming very resentful towards missy and it's because missy isn't going to you know constantly adjust her lifestyle and she wanted to start working and things like that so she wasn't going to be fully available to her the baby like she had been and missy also wanted to make sure that she was tending to those friendships outside of karen but that just karen couldn't handle it she like exploded and one of the things that i noted when i was doing a lot of research is it seemed like karen had a lot of outburst and she would say and do some really harsh things whether she meant it or not i'm not sure but i think when you have somebody that is that jealous and that resentful there's got to be a lot of truth to what she's saying or at least she believes it to be true i i think she would and i would be very curious to see if she had any sort of diagnosis i at one of these points we will actually get to talk about that um so the resentment's brewing but you know missy is just kind of keeping a smile on her face and she knows deep down she can't do enough for you know karen but she's still going to be there she's still going to be her friend but she's also going to have her own life so at this point missy starts deep deeply briefly sorry dating a boy named randy fernandez and um you know at one point, they're kind of having like an at-home date type thing, and they are just sitting in t- Missy's room. They're not doing anything. They're just listening to vinyl and talking, and it just sounds like there was a total vibe there. So they're chilling, having a good time, listening to good music, and out of nowhere, here comes Karen, like literally busting into Missy's room. And she literally looked at missy in the face and had the audacity to scream at her and was like if you were such a good friend you would make him leave and you would help me take care of this baby and then she looks at her and she's got a calm voice her demeanor's changed and she looks at her and tells her sometimes i think i hate you and she said that to missy Oh wow! So wow, you can you can see like the it, it is it's becoming like that green monster. Do you think that maybe? And I again, I don't know. Was she maybe like into Missy? Like I I would never take that off the table as a possibility because it was really clear that she was obsessed with her. But it also exactly. like at the same time, it was giving me single white female vibes. Like she didn't want to right. just be friends with Missy. She wanted to be Missy. <laughs> yes. So, you know, despite her big outburst and everything, Randy decides like, Hey, I really like you. I want to stick it out. And so the two of them, you know, continue to go on and date and it's despite Karen's multiple outbursts at this point and 
you know, they had been friends before, her and Randy, and he was one of the main sources of comfort she had while she was going through the process of her parents' divorce and being there for Karen. So he was definitely a shoulder to cry on. And I don't think he was really surprised at Karen's outburst either, just based on the stuff that he knew of her and the things that Missy was telling him. But, you know, eventually they did break up and it was because at this point, Missy is trying to be a little bit more straight-laced and Randy had a partying problem, you know, out drinking, doing drugs. And at the at this point in time, she's really not into it. So they break up. No big deal. They remain friends. They're really cool and casual together. They can party. They can go out to dinner. They even spend time alone. But it's nothing more than friendship. And I think both of them have kind of reconciled themselves to that. And so after the summertime, Missy goes on to convince Karen to just re-enroll in 10th grade and you know let's try this again I want to graduate with you but Karen got put at a different high school and that actually did take a toll on Missy because Missy missed her so much and she missed having Karen at school Um, she even wrote a poem and I can attach it into the notes Um, she wrote a poem about you know her priorities in her life and her top priority at this point was Karen and you know with her feeling alone she's leaning more on her friend Laura Doyle and Laura Doyle is not making some of the best choices so eventually we start to see Missy take a turn into being a party girl I mean it was cocaine it was alcohol you know, she's stealing, she's doing whatever she wants, and she's treating her mom like absolute garbage. So, like I was saying, she is entering her rebellious teen phase, and her parents' divorce is starting to get super messy, and, you know, she's feeling pretty distant from Karen, Um, you know, so she's really depressed and she is not going to classes anymore when, where she was a really good student, she would make A's and B's and everything. And, you know, teachers that knew her said that she was a joy to have in class, but now she's not showing up for class. She's starting to hang around Laura Doyle more and Laura is just a shitty influence. Um, and so, like I said, she's experimenting with drugs and alcohol at this time And in the midst of her parents' divorce, she decides that she hates Irene, so their relationship is starting to become strained. Missy is starting to yell and argue, and there's just all these big changes in her. And I think that a lot of that had to do with all of the big changes that were going on around her. And so she got into this stuff as... You know, we all go through our rebellious time, and then she's dealing with other stuff. And then, yeah, not to mention, she has horrible taste in friends. Yeah, and she's, you know, she's just trying to figure it out. She's trying to find her place in the world, and I think she's just trying to distract herself from everything going on with Karen, and you know, everything going on with her parents. And you know, like I said, that divorce really hit her hard. So you know, she's still, she's still going buck wild, and, um, she eventually gets moved to the alternative school, because she's just, her attitude, everything, she's really cutting up, 
Um, and so she kind of got kicked out of that school. So alternative school was her only option. So of course, who's that alternative school, but Karen, but Laura was also um, at the alternative school now at this point, because she had dropped out, wanted to come back in, wanted a more flexible schedule. So the three of them are starting to get super close again. And, you know, they're constantly hanging out all the time. And so, um, you know, Missy did start to make friends at her new school and she continued to kind of get attention from boys, not necessarily the type of boys she would want attention from, but I think that Missy, she didn't really look at it in a romantic way. She really did just want to be friends with a lot of these guys. Um, she enjoyed their company, but not in a romantic way at all. And, you know, she's getting this attention. Oh, everybody thinks she's beautiful. Everybody thinks she's perfect. And there's Karen in the corner. And she is just growing more and more resentful of Missy. Despite how much she says she loves and cares about her, I think, you know, she at this point is really feeling like she's her competition because now they do have something to compete for, and that's boys. Yeah. And, um, Karen, being Karen, decides, you know what, I don't like the attention that Missy's getting. I really don't like, uh, I don't, I don't like the friends you're making either. I don't like the boys looking at you, so I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. So, once again, here comes Karen walking up to this group of girls that Missy had just made friends with, and she lets them all know hey, you know, Missy's quite a slut and she's been sleeping around with all of your boyfriends. You know, I just wanted to let you guys know because I didn't want you guys getting hurt. So these girls, this is not no elementary school girls. This is not, you know, the sweet girls who are just like, I'm going to cut you off. These girls jump Missy. Like they catch her in a hallway and they beat her ass. And as they're walking away, one of the girls turns around and looks at Missy and tells her, you can thank your friend Karen for this. And Missy just, it wasn't clicking to her what had happened. So, you know, somebody... I can't believe it took this long for somebody to tell her that she'd been doing this. I know. And so then, you know, she goes and asks somebody and somebody's like, yeah, like she really, she's really, really envious of you. And behind your back, she's willing to put you down and she's willing to make you look bad because not only will you not be getting the things that she wants that she can't get, but then there's that time that she wants with you too. And you know, Missy's pissed. Like she just got her ass whooped. She's pissed off. And so she's starting to kind of pull herself away. Not as much as she used to, but she's just very apprehensive around her. And in the meantime, you know, Laura and Karen are forming a bond. And the bond they're forming is over their jealousy of Missy. Like, they are just becoming resentful because what they're seeing is they're seeing Missy has the perfect life. She has a nice house. She drives a nice car. She has loving parents. But they're not looking at all of the emotional issues that she's having right now. And it's kind of one of those things where 
you know, your people only want to process the good parts of people's lives. They don't want to think about the struggles that they might have going on. And, you know, these girls thought that they had it worse than Missy and that it wasn't fair that she was getting put on the pedestal that she was. And so, you know, she gets beat up and she talks to Karen about it. You know, Karen denies everything, but um, it kind of, while it caused a little bit of a rift, it also pushed Missy more and more to Karen because, you know, she's getting into that mindset of Karen is really all she had, you know, and she didn't have anybody else and she just couldn't make friends. And Missy started to see that as something that was wrong with her. And it just kind of put her in a spiral of depression, which just led to more drinking, you know, doing more drugs, sneaking out of the house. She just really wasn't making good choices. And it was really concerning to her family at this point because she's just done a complete 180. And, uh, you know, so um, they uh, reach their junior year of high school and Missy turns 16 and she meets this guy named Victor Amaya. And Victor, when he meets Missy, he is immediately enamored with her. And, you know, she's willing to try to give it a try, but it just kind of wasn't there. And so she decided they were better off as friends. And what she decided to do to kind of help him get over it is introduce her to her single friend. And her single friend was Laura. And so they eventually start dating and, you know, and Karen looks at it as something great because then she's able to hang out with all of her friends at the same time. Now, like I said, you know, Karen would consider anything Missy did to her as a slight and um, she, you know, anything. If Missy wanted to date with a boy, it was a slight towards Karen. If she hung out with one of her friends, it was a slight towards Karen. And she constantly was preaching things about, um, about the, like, importance of being loyal. And so Karen catches on to how close Laura is becoming. And now that Victor is involved, and she, like, she threw a fit. She really did. And she was constantly throwing fits, constantly yelling at Missy. And at this point, she's starting to yell at Laura and she's starting to yell at Victor because to her, they are stealing her best friend away from her. And she just cannot handle that. But also, Missy, how dare you have these other friends? So, you know, she's going crazy. But all of a sudden, Missy calms down and she chills out and it's because she gets a boyfriend. But... The boyfriend is actually Ray Fernandez, and if you remember, that's Missy's ex-boyfriend. So at this point, you know, Karen is just willing to take anybody that will take her. So all of her time is starting to go towards Randy. And, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a super big deal, but it also um, made more space for you know, for Missy to keep hanging out with Laura, and, um, you know, they were still forming that close relationship, and she's sitting there being the biggest cheerleader for Victor and Laura's relationship, and um, eventually, 
Karen and Randy got their own apartment together and um, they moved into it along with Karen's daughter and they were kind of making their own little family and it seemed like Karen was finally getting into a good space and you know that was great for her and I think that also would like helped Missy try to pull herself out of that space and so they constantly wanted Missy to come over and hang out all over there and of course Missy wants to you know what 16 year old doesn't want to go to their friend's apartment as opposed to having to hang out with you know in their basement where their parents are still around so she's super excited about this and they are constantly together and you know one day you know Missy goes over to hang out with them and see the baby and just you know just kick it and Karen decides, you know, hey, I got to go turn some laundry. Not a big deal. And Missy's sitting there with Randy and they're talking. And Randy grabs Missy and pulls her onto his lap and tells her about how he's still in love with her and he would rather be with her than Karen. And he would leave Karen in a heartbeat if Missy would actually give him a chance. And she freaks out. She pushes him off. But she, you know, she doesn't start drama while she's at that house. But she does pick up a phone, and she's she's a real one. She picked up the phone, and she called Karen, and is like, I don't think you need to be with this person because this is what he did, you know, and I don't think he's going to be faithful to you or treat you right. And, of course, Missy took that, and she, you know, she's thinking everything. Yeah, she thinks it's going to be okay, and it's not okay because Karen is more focused on having a romantic relationship that she decides that she is not going to talk to Missy for the moment and she's going to just focus on Randy because Randy says it didn't happen. So to her, it didn't happen. I know it's a he said, she said story, but I 1000% believe that it did happen. Oh yeah, I do too. And so they stopped. she put herself in that line of fire? Exactly. And so um, they stopped talking and it is about a week of not talking and Karen decides that she just can't take not talking to Missy anymore. So she calls up and, you know, she apologizes about how she reacted. And, you know, Missy was like, oh, no, you don't need to be sorry. Like, I'm sorry for how it happened. I just thought I was doing the right thing by letting you know because I don't want to see you get hurt. And so, of course, they start hanging out again and things are seeming super normal. And then at the summer before their senior year, uh, Victor and Laura break up. And so Missy, she introduced them. She's friends with both of them. You know, she's talked to Laura about the breakup. So she stops by Victor's house and she's like, Hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And while they're talking and just kind of hanging out, um, Victor asks Missy if she wants to know why they broke up. And so Missy's like, yeah, And so, apparently, they had been having consistent fights because Laura believed that Missy and Victor were sneaking around. And anybody that was around Missy that wasn't Laura or that wasn't Karen, you know, said that that was absolutely not the case, you know. But Laura is, you know, she's going to freak the fuck out. And it sucks because... Victor decides that he does actually want to be with Missy, but Missy's saying, no, you just stated, you know, you just broke up with my friend. I'm not interested. And she's following that girl code, you know, and Victor reaches down to her face and grabs her to kiss her. And right when he's doing that, Laura pulls up. 
So Laura doesn't know about the conversation that took place. She doesn't know anything, but all she sees is her best friend and her boyfriend kissing. So she freaks the fuck out. And she doesn't freak out on Victor. She freaks out on Missy. And at this point, Missy's in tears, so Missy just runs home. And Victor and Laura kind of discuss what happens, and he lets her know, like, hey, it wasn't Missy's fault. It was all me. I made the move. You know, I wasn't thinking. And Laura just doesn't care to hear any of that. All she keeps thinking about was, you know, my best friend and my boyfriend were kissing. And so she just calmly looked at Victor, and she told him, like, I'm going to kill that bitch. And then she sped off. And so, you know, at this point, she's got two of her best friends that have made accusations about her wanting to have secret relationships and things like that with their boyfriends. And to me, it's kind of like hilarious because both of them are dating her ex-boyfriends. Like she dated them first. Literally. And that's probably why they were so insecure about it. Yes. So, you know, she's fighting with the both of them. And in that process, uh, Karen finds out that she is pregnant with baby number two. And, you know, Randy's the dad. And so as soon as she found out she was pregnant, she decided that she wanted to make sure there was no way that Randy would ever leave her to be with Missy. So she took it upon herself to go to Missy's house and she wanted to talk alone with her mom, Irene. And so the first thing that she does is she starts raising her voice and telling her, you know, Missy better stay the fuck away from Randy. She needs to stay away from my man and you need to keep her away from my man. And Irene's just kind of taken aback because she has no idea what's going on. And she, you know, she's trying to calm Karen down. And then she goes on to uh, tell Irene that Missy has a problem with sleeping around with lots of people's boyfriends and that she was a slut and she was carrying multiple diseases so she should just get checked out and at this point Irene's heard enough and she tells her to get the fuck out of her house she's like go you're done we don't want to talk about anything and you know they both decide though Karen and Irene, that they're not going to tell Missy about the fight that just happened. And despite the fact that Laura's got this rage building towards Missy and Karen has this rage building towards Missy, they are trying to hang out with her like normal. They're trying to rebuild that bond again, you know, for the umpteenth time. And, you know, they start acting like nothing happened. And it was a really good point for Missy because she really thought that things were finally smoothed over and everything in her life was going to calm down and especially in her relationships. So she was just ready to get back to normal. And, you know, she's working on getting back to normal and she's just progressively starting to get away from her rebellious phase. And she's starting to put effort into her schoolwork and rebuilding her relationship with her mom. And she you know, she starts telling her mom everything. And she had told them about her drug use, her forced sexual experience. And then, you know, she mentioned the issues that she was having with um, Karen and Laura. And, you know, Irene was just glad that her daughter was talking to her and not screaming at her. So she was there and she was listening. 
Um, and, you know, despite what Karen and Laura were doing, and despite the fact that Irene didn't really trust either of them, you know, she was just happy to be in a good place with Missy. So she decided that it was okay for them to keep being friends. And, um, you know, like I said, they're hanging out again and whatever. So one night, and this happens to be on October 2nd of 1985, uh, Missy comes bustling in from school. She seems pretty happy dropping her backpack and she's kind of rushing around because she's going to go ahead and get in the shower. And her mom's kind of like, Hey, where are you going? What are you doing? And she's like, Oh, well, Laura's going to come pick me up for a ride. And that'll be at about three. And so she gets in the shower and she gets ready and right at around three, Laura comes into the house yelling for Missy and telling her, hey, like, you need to hurry up. Come on. And so, you know, Missy rushes downstairs and she looks at her mom and she tells her that she'd be home no later than six. And if she was uh, to stay out after that, she would make sure she would call. And right when the girls were walking out to the car, Missy stuck her head back inside and told her mom that she loved her. And, you know, that kind of caught that really caught Irene by surprise, but it was a really special moment to her. But unfortunately for Irene, she did not know that that was the last time that she would ever speak to her daughter or the last time that she would see her alive. And, you know, she thinks at this point that her daughter is just cruising around with Laura and cruising around with Karen and you know she notices that six o'clock has rolled around and Missy hasn't come home and so she's starting to get concerned but she's trying to brush it off like she's a kid she's a teenager you know and she has been rebellious in the past so maybe this is you know the same thing um but six o'clock rolls around and when that time gets there and she's not there yet they the phone starts ringing and she picks up the phone and it's Laura Doyle on the other side, and she's asking, like, hey, is Missy home? And Irene was like, what do you mean is she home? She was with you. And, it like, she said that she kind of felt that, like, instant dread. And she was like, you know, what's going on? Where's my daughter? And Laura tells her, like, oh, well, we were at a park, and she met three guys with the Camaro. And when we were leaving, you know, she decided that she wanted to stay with them, and she told us that she would call us when she got back home around 6 o'clock, so we were just getting worried about her. And so at this point, Irene's pissed because her daughter's not home, um, and she's also pissed because she had sent her daughter with her friend, and her daughter's friend just left her alone with a group of boys. And, you know, like, as most women, that's a really scary situation to be in by yourself. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, she basically stays up all night waiting for Missy to come home. And she was just hoping that she had lost track of time, maybe went to a party. And she ended up actually falling asleep on the couch with the front door unlocked because she was waiting for Missy to get home. And so when she woke up and Missy still wasn't home, she freaked out. Um, she started to panic because despite how bad their relationship had been at once, Missy always came home on time and Missy always let her mom know where she was. And of course she's freaking out because the last thing that she heard about her daughter was that her daughter was hanging out with the group of three men in a Camaro. And so I think she's starting to have every mother's worst fear. So she's kind of running around the neighborhood frantically and she goes and finds one of Missy's other friends and Missy's oldest friend, Christy. 
And so they basically are starting to go door to door in the neighborhood and call whoever they can in Yellow Pages just to see if somebody had, you know, seen her, heard from her, was with her, and they were getting nowhere. And, you know, Irene's getting exhausted already, so she decides to call the police and she wants to record her daughter missing. Um, Unfortunately, in the beginning, the police really didn't want to treat it like a missing persons case. They saw it more of a runaway situation just because of Missy's age, but Irene would not back down. So eventually they did come and file a missing persons report. And so the report is out there and days and days are just carrying on. But the community really, really liked Irene and really liked Missy. So they're rallying behind her. They're making search parties. They're putting up flyers. They're doing whatever they can to try to find her. And, you know, it got to a point where um, Irene was even stopping, like sitting there at traffic stops and stopping anybody that would drive by in, in a Camaro with one or more guys in it. And, you know, she would talk to them like, have you seen my daughter? You know, and every time it was no. And is she's she's dealing with this, but then there's Karen and Karen is just devastated because her best friend is missing. And she wants to be there to help Irene in whatever way that she can. And, you know, she's helping with the traffic stops, all of that. And she's constantly over there trying to offer her comfort and, you know, and bringing her daughter around to try to to distract Irene, you know, when she's getting too stressed out. But both of them are looking for Missy. And both of them are very emotional at this point because they're starting to fear the worst because, you know, it's been days at this point. So, you know, they continue to do their search. But on October 4th of 1985, there were two people that were hiking through the big Tahunga Canyon in Angeles National Forest. And they happened upon a body that was face down in a creek that was about four inches deep and the body was being held down by a log and was partially undressed. Um, They called the police and that day the body was identified as Missy Avila's and they notified Irene and she was absolutely devastated by the news. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, that is a mother's worst fear. You know, you kind of always hope if they're missing, they're going to come home. But that moment hit her because her baby wasn't coming home. But I think that this would be an excellent place to wrap up for part two, because part two is just a complete doozy. And I know I gave a lot of information about like their early childhood and things like that. But I just want everybody to know that it's really pertinent to what happens Um, as this case continues to progress because, you know, those two best friends of hers do end up playing a big role in everything that happens. Well, I think that this case is very interesting. Um, You did an amazing job covering it and researching. And uh, um, again, I, I wasn't super informed purposefully and I am definitely hooked. So I can't wait until episode two next week to see what what happens i mean i can pretty much take some guesses um but also there is a movie and it's called the killer amongst friends and um 
it is what we're calling this episode as well. So good reference to that. Yes. Uh, so definitely tune in next week for that episode. And Akila will be leading that as well. This this is kind of her. The little her baby. Case. And yeah. if you guys want to watch A Killer Amongst Friends, I don't think you can find it on Lifetime anymore because I think it came out in, like, 99. I just remember that being one of those Lifetime movies that I watched with my mom. But you can find it on YouTube. And, you know, the cast is pretty big for the times. And I thought the movie was pretty good. Um, I haven't watched it since I was, like, 13. But, you know reading and researching on this case I definitely think I'm going to give it a second shot and I recommend it to anybody you know because you get a lot of insight all right well guys tune in next week if you haven't followed us follow us on apple podcast spotify anchor uh follow us on um youtube once we get that going and we do still have that email in the description box in case anyone has any case suggestions questions positive feedback negative feedback nicely um, and we'll catch you guys next time you have anything akila no that's it i'm excited to be able to hop back on next week and wrap this up um and i hope that everybody else is excited and i hope that everybody kind of enjoyed the little bit of a change in how we do this um you know so we can continue to kind of rotate through that so thank you to everybody that's listening, though. I really appreciate it. And I know Jess does, too. Well, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have an excellent and safe St. Patty's. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.